Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode is one part of my hour-long NPR show heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, everything your dog wants you to know, as well as the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the Foreman family-owned pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. I am pretty excited that this year's New York Dog Film Festival, the seventh annual, for the very first time has a 14-year-old director, not only who submitted a film, but whose film was accepted by me. And that was against very stiff, very stiff competition. We had 61 submissions. Natalie Orego is from West Jordan, Utah, and you should be really proud of you and your movie Super Pup and your gorgeous dog, Cocoa. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you. Thank it, you so much. It's, wow, qu- okay. it's, it's quite special to have a 14-year-old young woman making a film that's so good that I picked it, and I picked it because it was so good, and then realized afterwards, holy cow. This young lady is 14 years old. You have a, a wonderful life ahead of you, whatever it is you do. But clearly, dogs, I'm guessing, are going to be part of it. At what age did you decide that you could make a movie? Are you like Steven Spielberg? You were like 11 and you were making movies in your bedroom or something? Well, I mean, I guess even younger than that, 10. I was about around 10, yeah. Really? Tell the story of how you became a filmmaker, and then we will talk about your gorgeous pit bull and why you made a movie to celebrate <laughs> pit bulls. So I created this movie because around the time, you know, when I was 10, we had just recently gotten Kukua. Uh She's a rescue from a local shelter, so... We had just recently gotten her, and it felt like another, you know, piece to the family. She made herself very comfortable at home already, so I thought it would be important to talk about her breed a little bit more. Were you Uh, aware that there was a lot of negativity to pit bulls? Is that something that that is uh, something in Utah, or just that generally you had read articles or heard things? Both, I think. A mix of both. I would very much be aware of how some people would look at her or avoid oh. avoid her. Mm-hmm. Or how sometimes, you know, of course, in media outlets, people would talk very negatively about her breed, you know, her label. Yes. Or and- as well, Kukua goes to classes right now, and even in training, she can get some bad looks. No kidding. And she And in the film Super Pup, 
she just looks like the most, as all the people who have footballs will say that I've ever met or talked to, what a friendly, outgoing, cheerful dog she is and loving, certainly of other people. And when you're in the dog training class, has she had any negative interactions or just the humans give give her a stink eye, as we might call it? In the first training class, she had a little bit of a struggle. She's a little shy, I guess, around dogs. Oh. She gets uncomfortable around them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she can be a little, how do you call it? She likes to put up a very tough act towards other dogs. You know. Yep. To, I guess, shout at them a little bit, growl a little bit. But it's not like she would do anything she just likes putting up a very big i'm much taller and bigger than you act even though she's much shorter than any other dog she she's she's low to the ground but she's very muscular and compact the way a pit bull can be so that's interesting you have to deal with discrimination against her when she's just exhibiting behavior that if it were a cockapoo who, or my dog Wanda, who's a 92-pound female Weimaraner, who isn't comfortable around other dogs and shows signs of being unsociable because she's a pit bull, do people think, uh-oh, now she's going to eat my cockapoo? I mean, do you get the sense that people think she's a danger when really she's exhibiting perfectly normal, acceptable dog-to-dog communication, which is stay away from me? I think people do. I genuinely think people do because, I mean, in her training sessions, of course, the stink eyes, but um, again, like, well, with what you said, she does act perfectly normal. She acts anxious. She acts, you know, shy. She tries right. to put up a little barrier to herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, she's also trying to learn how to be sociable with other dogs, but it's a difficult process. And I, she's gotten a bit better since then. But, you know, we're working on it. Well, I think that as a 14-year-old, you're very mature and very balanced in your view of having a dog you adore who's a wonderful family member but who is looked down on, let's just say looked down on by others, whether it's out of the people's fear, something they've read, maybe something they, they experienced. I think you have a really great attitude which is not to be mad at the people or resentful at the people or angry at the people or defensive at the people, but just like, oh, this is tough because she's really just being a dog and being a rescue. We don't know what her prior life was like. I'll just say about Wanda, I raised her from babyhood and socialized in all the ways you're supposed to, including a puppy class. And then she hit maturity, and she doesn't like other dogs. She will chase them away. (laughs) If she was a pit bull, we'd all be scared, right? I'd be scared if somebody presumed the worst because she was a pit bull instead of a Weimaraner. But she chases dogs away. So that's not friendly. So if Cocoa does that, being a pit bull, do you feel as if she has kind of a target on her back? I don't mean a target like she'd get shot. But like she's targeted as, oh, a bad pit bull for not wanting other dogs to hang out with her? I think so, because that's the, I guess that's the usual label that's been put on pit bulls. That pit bulls are aggressive and mean and will, I guess, never be cuddly, I guess. Or cute. (laughs) In Utah, do you have rules about having pit bulls in, in 
Denver, Colorado, they did. I don't remember if the rules changed, but they had very breed specific rules. You couldn't drive a pit bull through the town of Denver. You could be ticketed and fined for having one in your car driving through Denver. Now that may have changed, but pretty dramatic. Yeah, that's very dramatic. No, in Utah, we don't have anything like that. Oh, good. So no, what? So then, what inspired you to make the movie Super Pup, which is really a celebration of a gorgeous dog who's a family member, and you're the young narrator saying, you know, unfairly accused of bad behavior or, or bad intentions, right? Right. So when did you so, get the idea to make a movie about this issue or this problem? I already, so there was a school-wide project to make something, uh, what's it called? Make some sort of art project about something that you're passionate on. Oh, good. You can use any kind of medium. Good. Yeah. Uh, so I reached out to my sister, who's uh, very, very good at, well, filmmaking. She's in the uh, documentary kind of district. <laughs> oh, no world. wonder, because it looks great, the film. It does not look like somebody made it on their iPhone you know, with their girlfriends at recess. It looks really good. <laughs> well, we used my sister's camera, Karen. That's her name. Karen. Okay. <laughs> She's incredible at filmmaking. Um, <laughs> she helped me a lot there. Uh, good. But I already had the passion for making a story about this, right? Yes. To help reach out. So, you know, my, my sister really just helped me envision it to make it a reality, uh, to go to different places, take shots, make a script, make sure that, the, you know, the story was heard and made coherent, you know? Wow. That's, you know, that's, you're 14. I've had 44-year-olds send in films that weren't coherent, didn't have a through line of a story. You weren't sure exactly why they'd made it, but then at some point you thought, what? And you, in Super Pup, you clearly, it's a love letter to this gorgeous dog, Cocoa, who you love and who you feel bad and sad about that other people might not greet her with love, but with wariness or fear or concern. It's a tricky problem because there are actually dogs more dangerous, if you want to use that word, than a pit bull. I mean, there are more fierce dogs than pit bulls, but people, as you say, the media has not picked up on those stories in which the dog's breed was identified. And I guess that's part of the problem. So just from a dog training point of view and a family member, why did you continue to go to the puppy class if she really didn't like it? This is a dog training issue, and you may not even have a great answer because you're 14 years old. You haven't studied dog training particularly, I hope. You've obviously studied other things, including filmmaking. But if you had a – imagine you as a little girl – really hated going to nursery school. You were really uncomfortable with a room full of loud, screaming, you know, spitball-throwing kids. Maybe your parents would say, oh, maybe you'd be better off in just like a group of two or three kids. So did that ever occur to you that putting her in a group situation wasn't doing her any good? We've gone to multiple different trainers and multiple different classes to see what works better with her. Oh, good for to you. To see what's her environment. Uh, and I, we've landed one that actually works quite well with her. It's a little bit of a smaller scale, but there's much more of a hands-on approach and more, I guess, focus on her. Nice. And on the human trainers. 
Well, I just have to say that, you know, that very well answers my question. And, and the reason I ask it is because I think that people listening, whether they have a pit bull or a pit mix or any kind of a dog, big, large, small, rescued or, or gotten, you know, as an infant, so to speak, that you really do have to tailor the environment to that dog's temperament and not put the dog in an, a situation where the dog is going to get labeled or the dog may even have to do behavior to protect themselves in their own mind that then gets that dog labeled as a bad dog. Or in the case of Cocoa, she has to be an ambassador for pit bulls. I mean, I guess that's one of the burdens for pit bull dogs. They have to be ambassadors because if, if people do give them a stink eye and worry because they read a, an article in the paper three years ago that a pit bull killed a poodle, so to speak, then you always want to put that give that dog the best possible opportunity to shine and not be feel as if they're in a corner, don't you think? So I think that that's a really good point. I mean, I went to a dog training class with Wanda where the trainer was vicious, I thought. I mean, the trainer, if you wanted to label anything, that trainer was got the bad rap that a pit bull gets. Just force, force, force training, doing harsh physical things, pushing dogs away, uh, grabbing their paws and holding them up and, I don't know, things that were just absurd. They weren't the right way to train anything. And I left the class. I left my money on the table, so to speak, and I left the class. And I think that's one of the things that you see in Super Pup is a dog who's joyful and loving and happy. And I think it's important for everyone to understand, but particularly people with pities, put them in situations where they're going to shine and be happy and reflect well on their family and on their breed as in general. Don't put them in situations where they may get explosive because of who they are as individuals, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you have her running yeah. free on the beach, but you probably wouldn't do that on a day when there's 200 people on the beach. Well, you probably wouldn't be allowed no. on the beach on that day, right? So do you ever no, go to dog to parks? I mean, dog parks are kind of hell on earth in a situation like this, I imagine. <laughs> oh, she does not go to dog parks. Yeah. Uh, she's like... We, she goes to Saturday socials instead, which is oh, socialization nice. class, basically. Nice. Yep. And we've also had we've also had our fair share of um, well, you know, trainers as going through the journey of finding the one that fits her. Now we found one, and it's good. But one of our first trainers also had the difficulty of they threw us to the side and tried to train Kokoa by themselves, which didn't work very well because well Kokoa is responsive to responsive to us and we need to be trained on how to handle her as well because there are situations that arise that we both need to know about and know how to handle right well yeah and that's true of anybody even with a German Shepherd yeah. You know, and that people used to think German Shepherds were scary dogs people thought and still think Dobermans are scary dogs there are certain dogs that when people see them, they feel scared, but they don't feel scared if they see an Akita. You don't see a lot of Akitas, but they're a very ferocious <laughs> dog. You don't see a lot of them around, but certainly that's the problem. If you have a Doberman Pinscher or a Pitbull and they're well-raised and lovely dogs and they have a reputation for being a more fearsome dog, 
then you have to be careful to not put them in a situation where anybody's pre preconceived notions, negative ones, get confirmed. So would you mm -hmm. ever get her a housemate, another dog? Mm, sometimes we think about it, but no. <laughs> I don't think she's ready to share her, her kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> you say that very well. Again, that's another good point. You know, you sort of have to know your own dog and think, well, would they welcome that same species of uh, time together? Or do they just want to be with two leggeds and uh, keep keep everybody else at bay? Well, I think it's it's wonderful that you've made this movie. I hope that you make other movies, and if they're about dogs, you know that the Dog Film Festival will be thrilled to see them. And if they happen to be about cats, there's the Cat Film Festival. I'm <laughs> I know that you've been to New York, and October twenty third is the premiere of the film festival. I have no idea if there's any way for you to come back, but. It would be very exciting to be able to introduce you to the whole audience as the 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 youngest filmmaker who's ever submitted to the festival, and certainly the youngest who's ever whose film has ever been accepted, and and also a great a great champion of a of a dog you love and the breed that she's a representative of. So I think you should be really proud, Natalie Orego. You've done an amazing mm -hmm. job. Your sister is a really good filmmaker. But so are you. You collaborate beautifully. I'd love to see some Arago so sister films down the road. You know, you have the Cohen brothers. Why not the Arago sisters? Anything is possible. You could you could conquer thank mountains. Thank you so much for joining me and for making this wonderful oh, film. I hope Cocoa has continues to have a long, healthy, and wonderful life with you. She will. She will. Don't worry. But thank you. Thank you so much for well talking with me today and. Well, accepting my film as well, because I wasn't sure if it was going to get in or not. You well, know, it was a gamble. It's always a gamble. It is a gamble. And I'm so thrilled that you had the school project and you put so much heart and soul into it. And then it wound up on the big screen in New York City on October 23rd and then traveling the country <laughs> after that. Thanks again, Natalie. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. There are a few more very special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you will support their support of my mission to entertain and educate. Merrick Pet Care, which began as a family-run company in Texas 30 years ago, is still making natural pet food I feed my own dogs. They also provide nutrition to pet shelters in Chicago and Texas and free food for the service dogs for veterans from Canines for Warriors. Cradle which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition and makes innovative foods like the hybrid dog food, Wisdom, which sometimes is all that Maisie Hotchner will eat. Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this shorter version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon. <laughs>